The American Council of Blind Lions, ACBL, is the affiliate that roars, and that's no lion. ACBL holds monthly conference calls and ACB convention events that help people who are blind or visually impaired become more involved in local Lions Clubs. Find out more. Call 502-897-1472 or email lions.acb at gmail.com. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Thank you, Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, This is Paul Edwards, and welcome to Tuesday Topics. It is a great pleasure for me to join everyone again this evening. It is sad that and and people say I perhaps shouldn't have been as forthright in my email today. Once more, we are not doing uh, a show on uh, ACB Media with uh, Jennifer and Rick. Uh, however, uh, I am told that it is scheduled for sometime relatively early in January, and that is my expectation. I'm holding folks to so that. So tonight, instead of that, we're going to be doing Christmas carols, right? I've, I've got the- <laughs> I've got the karaoke all lined up here, Paul. Oh, it's going to be the Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah. yeah Rick and Larry we, are going to read it. Yeah, we can from page to, one all the way to the end. <laughs> no, we're going to sing Christmas music. <laughs> we'll and drive we'll, whoever's we'll, not gone away. Yeah, yeah. We'll get Cindy, yeah. Sun, Cindy Sunshine in here. We'll there you set. go. Hey, won't that be exciting? So, Pat, and anybody and Pat anybody Pat who is who is anybody who is here for for beyond the first 5 minutes of that sort of exercise needs to seriously consider having themselves committed <laughs> <laughs> what makes you think we haven't well, last week last week's show by the way was was so much fun it was it uh, was yeah it was thank now, you so much did, did you everyone. buy did you buy yourself anything that was suggested last week i haven't yet I haven't yet, but I but I think I will. What I did discover when I was going through my house was a was a hundred dollar gift card to Amazon that I didn't remember I had. Nice, Ooh. very nice. So that's exciting. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, what we decided uh, that we would do at some on some future show, not not necessarily this one, was to do both of the elements that we had suggested as items two and three on last year's show, since item number one actually ended up taking the whole show. We'll see if the same thing happens this time, but we'll start with the most immediately um, relevant of the two topics. Well, actually, they're both immediately relevant, but the most time-sensitive, perhaps? Well, that's a question, too. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll start with talking about New Year's resolutions. Um, would we do better to start thinking about them now so that we could build in some ways to assure that when we made those resolutions on the 1st of January, we'd actually keep them? We are interested in finding out from folks if there is a New Year's resolution that they'd like to talk about that they actually did keep and uh, that made a huge difference in their life. We would also love to hear from folks who made this wonderful New Year's resolution that went up in smoke virtually as soon as it was made. And 
We would also love to hear any advice that folks have both about what kinds of resolutions one ought to operate with and what one can do to make sure that those New Year's resolutions happen. Um, so it's interesting. The other thing that, that I'm going to put out there is a question, at least to initially to, 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 um, to our two co-hosts, um, Rick and Larry, is do you guys know the term white rabbit and what it's about? I think that was an Alice in Wonderland character, wasn't it? It it was, but that's not what we're talking about. Okay, well, you didn't actually refine it to what I you meant. I did not. No, you did, did not. not. I did not. So you're, And the you white rabbit wrong. was also on Coast to Coast on a Bus in radio in the 1930s and 40s, but I'm not sure that you meant it by that term either. I did not, and, and I'm not talking about Harvey either. Okay, and that's it. A, yeah. It was a song by Jefferson Airplane. Airplane. It was, yep, nope. But that's not what you're talking about. Is it a car? No, no. It's not a car. No, it sort of, it sort of relates to what we're talking about. What, there is a tradition, and, and I'll be interested in asking other people as they, as as they um, as they chime in as the show goes on to see whether it operates, it's a tradition that certainly my brother and I um, follow periodically, which says that if the first thing that you say on the first day of the month is white rabbit, the next month will be lucky. So does so that there. does that have any correlation with the rabbit's foot? Uh, it could, it could, it, it could, uh, but also, you know, what I was thinking about is, is it, it could be a super white rabbit event if you do it on, on January 1st. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you two, any, any New Year's resolutions that, uh, that, that you made that, that absolutely bombed or, or, or would you like to tell us about one that you made that you absolutely stuck to? I'm in Coco and I'm trying to type in what is white rabbit and it you know it it it's it suggested what i was looking for it says what is white elephant oh. <laughs> <laughs> missed it well, by that much <laughs> that see that's another thing a white elephant of course is is an entirely different issue yeah yeah that's it's 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 a it's a white of a different species as it were yep but you don't say Caucasian rabbit or Caucasian elephant. No. 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 Uh, I, I, so. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, I stopped I, for a long, the longest time when I was growing up. I thought to myself, self, you need to keep some resolutions. And I, I, it's yep. not that I didn't keep them. Um, I just didn't know what I should aim for. So I thought to myself, well, since none of us are perfect... Yeah. Even though some of us sometimes think we might be, it's not not the case. Uh, it is not. I I always would strive yearly to become a better person. Uh-huh. And I don't know exactly what that always entails, but at least there was some effort on my part to make it come true. Yeah, and, and fact, I'm still working on it. A, I think that's a really good point. I think there are a lot of people who operate on the assumption that a New Year's resolution is essentially intended to, to kind of make you a better person. You know, um, uh, don't, don't 
curse all those people who you believe to be inferior to you at the slightest provocation. Right, even if they are. Makes you a better person. Yeah, even if they are. Even if they are. Of course, even if they are. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you meet a better way to people sometimes. That's right, that's right. (laughs) Even if it's yourself. Mr. Mr. Rick, any thoughts about resolutions yourself, sir? Yeah, well, you know, it has something to do with eating, and it's just one of the things that I'm forever trying to do is not be as impulsive as I am um, when it comes to things like food. I thought that, and and maybe it has been true to to an extent, but I thought that I would run into all kinds of problems when I stopped smoking earlier this year after, what, uh, well, I'd stopped once before, but essentially 50 years of enjoying cigarette smoking. Um, and maybe, no, longer, 60 probably. But anyway, <clears throat> um, I haven't gained as much weight as everybody says you're supposed to. And I still weigh um, 16 pounds less than I weighed when COVID started. Wow. wow. So um, that's that's pretty cool. And, and I, I actually find that for the most part, I can control my impulsivity, but that's mostly because I'm, I'm not passing Krispy Kreme donut stores most of the time <laughs> um, or, or other places. I, you know, if left to myself, I'm not that much of a dessert eater, but put me in put me in front of a box of a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts and essentially they're gone and I have not shared. You know, Krispy Kreme, whenever they've got fresh donuts out, they light up the sign that says fresh donuts, right? They do and it's but, and they are warm there. They yeah, add but, all. But, but that's not very accessible to us blind people. It is know, not. To know that, right? It is but, not. But so but they, Krispy Kreme donuts have a lovely odor as well. So. Yes, they do. <laughs> they can be smelled from the freeway. They can. Yep, absolutely. They can. It's very good they are, too. They're they're, they're air with a little bit of glaze on them. That's correct. That's correct. And and that's the way I like it. Yeah. (laughs) There there was a restaurant. um, I can't even remember the name of it now because the, the, the one that I used to go to closed down. But they used to have what they served as rolls, but they were really much more like popovers if you guys remember them oh yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and you almost never see popovers anymore but boy are they good because they are they're essentially mostly air as well yep and and so are so are yorkshire puddings which which you don't see anymore we'll have to we'll have to talk to penny about yorkshire puddings and popovers if penny is here well, let's see if anybody would like to raise their hands to talk about a resolution. <laughs> and um, I, 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 I guess that um, I have not, for the last several years, made a lot of New Year's resolutions. Um, I think I could have made some. Um, you know, now that, now that I've spent the last four days working on my house, um, I realized how how much in a mess or or disorganized I allowed the house to get, and I've made a resolution that that won't happen up here. Oh, that's a good uh, resolution, Paul. 
I think it is. I think it is. I, I make a resolution about once a month, but um, uh-huh. I try. Um, right popovers and Yorkshire pudding are exactly the same batter. Well, I believe and that the, actually. Yeah, and the only difference is that you cook the Yorkshire pudding in the the delicious juicy grease from the meat that you've been roasting. And, yeah, that uh, one it is. Oh wow! Yeah. Now, I, do you, do you I, cook I, yours never, in muffin I, tins? Or do you, well, do you, I, I have a, actually a popover pan, uh, so it's like a giant muffin tin. I haven't done it for years and years. When my kids were little and we had so many people to feed, I used to make something like creamed something to that would really stretch whatever the something was, like the chicken uh-huh. or whatever, and uh, put that in the popovers, and they thought that was a really elegant dinner, and it was really very successful. Um, <sighs> popovers are delicious. I haven't made them for a long, long time. The I, problem I is have, that they stick easily. It's hard yeah. to get them out of the pans. I have um, I, I made one kind of absolute when I went over to the UK and that was, I needed to go somewhere uh, for Sunday lunch where I could get my roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. Oh yeah. Did you get to do it? I did. Went to this, this little pub down on the coast of uh, the United Kingdom on the South coast. And um, they they not only had uh, my Yorkshire pudding, but they had 26 different ciders. Really? How wonderful. Oh my yeah. god, it's delicious. Yeah, now I only had I only managed eight. <laughs> In one so you city. have to go back In for one the city. other one. Uh, yes, yes, I have to go back. <laughs> Still Council of the Blind is here. Now let's see, is it Brian or is it Paul tonight? Oh, I think it's Brian. Hey Brian. Brian, hey Brian, Brian. I bought your papers hey, and I love them. Thank you so much. <laughs> So, um, you know, we have a mutual friend who is a popover fanatic. Judy oh, really? Dixon. Is she, she really? She spent an entire year doing popover recipe after popover recipe until she perfected the popover. And who is that? Doug, Doug Wakefield. Um, oh, Judy. Ate, oh. Yes. Doug Wakefield ate more popovers in a year than a typical British citizen would in a lifetime. Well, you know what else uh, you can do with the batter that's almost exactly the same is make what my aunts used to call a Jane Eyre pancake. It's also called a Dutch baby. And it's yeah, Dutch essentially baby. Yeah. the same batter. You put it in, a, in a, an, a cast iron skillet with some butter and a really hot oven temperature for about 15 minutes and it puffs way up. It is so cool. If your kids can see, they watch it and they think it's so exciting. And then you just pull it out and put some powdered sugar on it and call it breakfast or dinner. Oh, or and it's yum. Perfect. We always well, put a little bit of lemon juice on and then sprinkled it with the powdered nutmeg. sugar. And that's and, yeah, and then how has this got and, anything and then to do with butter on the with, top? Uh, <laughs> with yeah. lots of butter. Yeah, taking, butter, uh, butter never hurt anything. You have to. Res- no, no, <laughs> absolutely not, Brian. You resolve I, to eat more of them. That's the resolution. That's the, that's, that's good the resolution. That's yep. It? yep, yep, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I think, I think popovers and Yorkshire puddings are are just wonderful. I will probably be talking with Judy on Thursday, so. I will. I will have to um, to, 
to tell her we have popovers in common. I'm not sure she'll be as excited as I am. I wonder what recipe <laughs> she settled on is the best. That would be really oh. interesting. To know. We should we should ask her to share it with us. The last time I had Yorkshire pudding was with you. Do you remember? With Where were me? You? Oh. No, with Brian. With Brian? Where were we at at the time? I'll give you a clue. Uh, Las Vegas. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Did we have that at... at uh, Lowry's. Yeah, Lowry's. Yeah, the place for, Lowry's. Place for, yeah. place for prime rib. Prime ribs. Oh, yeah. Famous place for prime rib. California. I have not been able to find a restaurant in this country that does prime, uh, that does Yorkshire pudding. Well, you got to go to, go to Lowry's. Lowry's does. Go to Lowry's. I think it's some of the that. English pubs do it. I see that. We've got one not too far from us, and they do that. Do they? Yeah. I have to say that. Because none that, of the ones my... in Miami did. Uh-huh. And I've looked at several up here in Jacksonville, and so far I haven't found one that huh. does. It's hard for a restaurant because you can't keep it. You got to make yes. it and serve it immediately. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. So what you got to exactly. do, Paul, on the first of the month is you got to wake up, say White Rabbit, and then go look for some restaurants. There you go. <laughs> That's your resolution, Paul. <laughs> there you go. So, Penny, have you have you heard about the White Rabbit thing? No, I never heard of that. But I'm so, going to say it on January first. That's right. Year. See, I think we all should. <laughs> we now, need Paul, a lucky year for guns. Does that work month to month? Horrible. If you say it on it February first, it, it, it works. Or jump March first. Oh yeah. Oh cool. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah. I, when I okay. when I looked it up in Google, the, what it said is that the, the the tradition is to say rabbit rabbit. Oh rabbit um, rabbit rabbit so rabbit. But other <laughs> people, but, but they say alternatively, you can say white rabbit. So what oh. tradition is it? What what where does it come from? Do you know? I, I don't know. Google didn't tell me. Well, Google. Come and on. if Google doesn't know, nobody nobody knows. <laughs> That's right. Maybe, maybe Siri, maybe, but not Google. Yeah, yeah. Brian, tell <laughs> me about uh, tell me about your success with New Year's resolutions. Have you done well with them? Well, I've done well with resolutions, but I'm one of those guys, <laughs> Brian, that. Oh that We're not talking about those types of resolutions, okay? Oh, yes. The resolutions committee was two days ago, Brian. Yeah, That's good enough. I'm I'm done with those. Paul and I spent (laughs) way too much time on that committee. (laughs) Way too much time. We did. For me, I try not to make resolutions something that I put off until the 1st of January. Ah. If it's worth having a resolution on, there's no time like the present. The present. And I try, I try to avoid this idea that somehow or other you'd start something on the first day of the month or the first day of the year or first day of the week. If it's a good enough to be a resolution, what's wrong with now? That works for me most of the time. But I also don't believe in making grand resolutions. Yeah. It's yeah. making those little resolutions uh, and then commending yourself when a week later you're sticking to it, and a month later you're sticking to it, you um, haven't that, said anything that mean for a whole week. That's a really good thing. <laughs> now, do, exactly. Do, do, exactly. Do, that works do, for me. Do most of those resolutions have to do with abstaining from something? Yeah, pretty much. Well, Saying mean things. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there is that whole question. There are those resolutions that are I will no longer X whatever yes, that might be. There are. And then, I, I, I did then, stop doing Twitter because it made me so snarky. So um, I guess that resolution 
I enforced See, it by stopping doing Twitter. <laughs> yeah, so there's some stop ones. Then there's the the start ones. So, for example, I started waking up an hour earlier every day. Oh, jeez. That sounds really hard to do, but I'll tell you, the joy of being in a four-person household where you're the only one awake <laughs> is true. reward in and of itself. It's true. Very true. In and of itself. Yeah, yeah. Even no, I don't do have that. a problem Mom's living with that, do that. No, yeah. and I'm up at four thirty-five o'clock every day, so I'm. It's very, very quiet in my house. Very quiet, <laughs> and yeah, I love that's it. One thing, and and the other part of that is, it's easier to do something that you do always or you do never than things that you do two or three times a week. I or or, or, or moderately, yes. Yeah. Or, yeah, you, you just got to yeah. say it is what it is. So when I say I get up at 6 every morning, it's every morning. It's yeah. not, except weekends where I can sleep in. That just screws it all up. Well, I am generally, um, I am generally up by 6 or 6.30. So, oh, yeah, generally by 6. And I'm almost, I'm virtually always awake by 4.30 or 5. Um, well, I, but I think that has that I more to do with getting old than it does with that too. <laughs> but there's with, also the uh, crutch, modern crutch for keeping a resolution. Yes, it's okay. called Alexa. Yeah, oh, you can put annoying. it in as a repeating as a repeating thing. It's Brian's bedtime. Oh, it's time God. to get up. It's because. I can choose to ignore it, but I can't choose that I forgot to whatever it is. And again, I'm not talking major, you know, major things. It's more like, don't forget to take your pills that you're supposed to take before dinner, taking them after dinner once you do your damn bit with good, that kind (laughs) of stuff, right? Take it before a meal. Well, remembering to take it after the meal just ain't the same thing. So I find Alexa really valuable for for those kinds of things i I find i find alexa indispensable the older i get because because my memory which really used to be pretty extraordinary um ain't so anymore well there is uh, that other problem with it though don't you think paul that the more you can um offload tasks to devices the less you feel the need to invest the energy <laughs> to do it. I mean, yeah. I don't remember phone numbers worth anything. Why? Because they're in my phone. Yeah. I don't have to remember yeah. them, so I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's hey, fair. Hey, guys. Yes. Hey, Hi. Uh, I, I hate to interrupt, but you gave me this uh, signal a while ago to unmute, and then everybody kind of forgot about well, yeah, we didn't too. forget you. We, we didn't know. We didn't you say there. you could talk. We board. just said you could. Oh, me. okay. I'll be quiet then. Let me know when. <laughs> <laughs> there goes Shirley. Now, Shirley, this better be good after that buildup. Uh, well, it was in, a, a while ago, but now it may be irrelevant. <laughs> You know, it's kind of funny because I really wanted to get in initially when you started this whole thing about the uh, the the bunny rabbit thing or the white rabbit because yeah. I knew yeah. what you were going for. 
Oh, good. Um, because interestingly enough, I never heard about it until probably a year ago. And um, I sort of got involved in this one group that does um, stuff for seniors. It's out of California, but you can be any place and they have all kinds of calls. It's a, a little bit like the ACB community calls, but that's you know, cool. not on the same level, uh-huh. and it's for seniors. But one of the things they also do is um, they have people that will uh, call you on a one-on-one basis, you know, if you need or want somebody to talk to. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I I decided to um, take a, advantage of that service, and they set uh-huh. up somebody to call me, and the, the guy's actually from... England, although he lives in New York now. So he told me about this thing one day, and I don't know really where the particulars of it come from. I guess I could probably find out from him, but he started this with me one day. He says, now I want you to know, he says, at the, you know, on the first of the month, before you say anything else at midnight, uh, yep. it has yep. to be the first thing you say at midnight, you either have to say white rabbit or bunny, bunny, bunny. <laughs> and you have to say it three times. And he said, and he said, that's going to bring you good luck. He says, yeah, you better remember, because if you don't, you know, you're not going to have good luck. And now every so often, he'll send me a reminder, like the <laughs> night before. And he says, don't forget to say, you know, bunny, bunny, bunny at yeah. midnight. <laughs> my, my brother, my brother and I kind of try to remind each other um, to right. do it. Um, it doesn't always work. And, and usually it ends up that one of us does it and the other one doesn't. Um, right, right. Well, it's just so funny because, like I said, I I had never heard of it before. And as soon as you started that thing, I thought, oh, I bet I know where he's going. I wish I could <laughs> right now. <laughs> the good thing, the the good thing is it probably uh, it probably is an English thing or 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 a a UK sort of thing. Um, you know, because my brother and I both went to a to a. a a boarding school for boys in Canada that was um, that that was run by mostly English masters, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, Miss Shirley, what about New Year's resolutions? How do you handle? Oh, I don't ever even try to make them because I know I'm not going to do well with them. I think of a couple every year that I should make. <laughs> 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 One repeatedly, which a lot of other people make and most break. So, you know, I just um, don't even do it. Like, you know, you're going <laughs> to lose weight. <laughs> yeah. So would it be better to sort of plan them in advance, to sort of start working on exactly how you're going to implement them starting today? Oh, sure. Oh, no yeah, way. There's no doubt. <laughs> there's there's no doubt, you know, then you could be ready on the day of. And then it yeah. might only take you 10 days to break it instead of 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> so, think, what, what sort of resolution would I make this year? Um, well, you know, I'm not working. So a lot of the resolutions that I used to make ha- having to do with work and having to, to – uh, but I think – I think I could still make resolutions about being more organized, about um, writing down reminders or talking to um, the A lady about about things, so that so that I get 
reminded of the stuff that I need to do. Uh, and and uh, part of the reason that I do so badly with resolutions like that is that I absolutely hate to admit the fact that I'm not as good at remembering as I used to be. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 obnoxious. I, and I think I think I may um, I may make some some resolutions about some particular things that I want to get through in terms of reading. Um, I've I I finally forced myself to start over with a with a series of fantasy books that I read the first one and a half of and got fed up with it 30 oh. years ago. Um, so now I'm a little further along in the second book and I've got to admit that it's better. Um, it's, it's better than a lot of the others that I've read since, oh. but, but I still don't think, I don't think I'm going to make it to the end. This is the, the book by, um, by, Robert Jordan that starts with a, a book called The Eye of the World. And there's somebody out there who absolutely loves these books, I'm sure, who is who is thinking, sacrilege, sacrilege. <laughs> Everybody um, has opinions like that, don't they? Yeah, I, one of they the resolutions do. I made one year was I noticed that when I looked at what I read over the course of a year, it was all fiction. Yeah. So I vowed the next year that every fourth book had to be nonfiction. Oh, how awful! Oh, <laughs> and oh I, I, I actually do better than that. By the end that. of the year, I loved it. I yeah. absolutely loved it. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, did I, I stick I, to I, it the third year? No. Yeah. Now I require myself to um, to I, I usually am seriously involved in reading, say, five books at a time, and two of those books have to be nonfiction the way that I have them set up. And what I tend to do is to read one or two chapters from each book and then go back and forth because I'm finding, um, and, and this also may have to do with getting old, that I, but I'm finding that if, if I allow myself to listen to the same reader for a prolonged period of time, um, I start losing concentration. So. Mm. Whereas, uh, you know, I, I, I am still perfectly comfortable reading at, with uh, with the Victor Reader stream at it, at its maximum speed, but um, yeah. Can I barge in? Yeah. yeah sure. Rick, Rick gave me Rick gave me permission to unmute. This is Diane. Hi, Diane. Um, yeah, I, the, these shows, Diane, are just a free for all. So come on in. Yes. Hey, Diane, do you have any more of that toffee left? By the way. Yes, I still do. I still have like one small piece of it left. <laughs> <laughs> who made who made the toffee? Uh, she, she won it in the auction. Yeah. Who, who, who made it, Diane? No, it I'm was, not it, sure what the company is. Well, it was Enstrom's ah. Enstrom's t- toffee, and you know it, it's stuff made out of Colorado. And this was nice. I, I I love this story. You know, the, the auction happened, and what was it, Diane? About six weeks later, you email me and say I never got my toffee. And then I wrote, and then I had my husband, well, I looked, I asked my husband about it, and yeah, I, I had him look, because I didn't know what to look for. I didn't know, you know like, what kind of box it was in, or mm-hmm. anything like that. So, yeah, so then I wrote back to Rick immediately, and told him I had it, and I was <laughs> loving it. 
Yeah, well, you told me he hit it on you, right? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so, yeah. But he doesn't like toffee, so I don't know why he would have hit it on me. But <laughs> There used to be, up in Canada, when I was sort of from 7 to 13, there used to be a, a little bar of toffee that you bought in a box. And it, it was unusual because it was it was wrapped in wax paper inside the box, um, not in just some kind of ordinary paper and not sealed or crimped or anything like that, but just folded over in this, in this box. And it was made by Macintosh. No, sounds tasty to me. (laughs) I have a, my, my sister-in-law grew up in Canada and she told me about something up there called Nanaimo bars. Nanaimo bars. Nanaimo bars. And I, you know, she always told me she was going to get me some, but I, I haven't, you know, I haven't seen them yet. So I'm wondering if you were familiar with them. I, I've certainly heard of them. I don't remember having tasted them, but if They're if I go to Canada sweet. over the next couple of years, I'll get I'll get you one, Diane. Okay. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was that my um, my grandmother on my father's side was British, and she made amazing Yorkshire pudding. Nice. She, she used to make it every time she had um, roast beef and mashed potatoes. Nice. And it was fabulous. You know, it's got a lot of eggs in it, a lot of um, flour, and of course, as was pointed out, the the grease from the from the meat. You know, from the roast beef that you make, and it was. Uh, but, and I've never had it. Joint, was a joint. Yeah, but ninety percent of the volume of of um, of a Yorkshire pudding is air. Yeah. Oh yeah, hers yeah. was quite hers was quite um, fluffy, and that's what made it good. And I've yeah. never had any. I've never had any since. The tasted, and my husband tried to make it for me once. He's such a sweetheart, but uh, he, he tried to make it for me. But you know, it just wasn't the same, and I didn't know how to tell him. Well, you know, I tried to tell him what it what it needed, I guess. But yeah, it's the air. I think it's the the way you beat it all together. You know, that probably makes it. I I, I looked at the joy of cooking recipe for um for Yorkshire pudding a couple of months ago. Um, and it, and it doesn't look all that complicated. Um, it it, it, it actually looks method. pretty straightforward. Yeah, I would be is. nervous it's about all in the cooking method. if I yeah. were going to cook it. I would be nervous about pouring the grease into it. However, you well, have to do that. Um, yeah. Well, you, I mean, hot, you don't. You grease. don't absolutely have to do that. It, it it's not quite Yorkshire yep. pudding, but it would still be pretty good, <laughs> even if you didn't pour the grease in. But anyway, I, I just I just had to bring that up, you know, since yeah. you, since y'all were talking about it. So it's and, another white rabbit. So Diane, do you make New Year's resolutions? Oh, I can't. I I, I break them a day after I make them, you know, because I've been <laughs> wanting to lose weight for probably twenty years now, and um, you know, I just no, I just I just can't do it and and keep them maybe if i had a reminder of some sort maybe that would help all right you guys you guys who are out there there must be some of you who make resolutions that you keep i mean there must be some of us somebody out there otherwise this whole process would have gone away or at least you'd (laughs) think it would hmm we shall Um, we shall have to wait 
The no, last yep. question I have is what what um what happened to our program about a- ACB media? Is it, does it start later or and no? It's been postponed until January because uh, Jennifer was ill yesterday and 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 is not able to do it this week or next week or probably the week after. Diane, but, I think uh, it starts when you January. keep your first resolution. Yeah. Oh, well then. I don't know. It never happens. It may never happen. (laughs) Rick, I had heard that Lucy was there. Maybe she'd like to join us. Lucy? Yeah. Lucy Edmonds? Yeah. I thought you said she was here. No, I don't see Lucy. No? Oh. Well, Ricardo? Making it up then. Yeah. Anisio is here. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I'm going we'll to see if probably we'll have to take see off, if, so. if Anisio um, knows about white rabbits from Portugal. Hey, Anisio. No, no such thing in Portugal. I never heard that before. So, no. what we do in Portugal is at the beginning of the year, during right after midnight, I, I'm not sure if it's before you kiss the person next to you or after. You're supposed to eat 12 grapes. Oh, yeah, in Spain, too. For each month, right? Yeah. So I always kiss my my wife before I I eat the grapes. Now, in in the Caribbean, what you're supposed to do uh, is after you do the kissing and stuff, you're supposed to roll a bottle from one end of the house to the other and back again. Why? Don't know, dear. <laughs> well, obviously, but by midnight, bottle, you've already so. emptied the bottle. Yeah, I mean, my uh, my, my job my job was simply being able to do it. I didn't, I I didn't try to understand why at at midnight on a New Year's Eve where no, there was cares? lots of rum. Yeah. <laughs> Now, one thing about one of those parties, you know, there's plenty of bottles around. There are. It was very easy to find bottles to to roll from one end of the house to the other. (laughs) (laughs) So, Anisio, any other other New Year's traditions that that you guys had in Portugal? Uh, Not really. Um, Mm -hmm. Not really. Now, Anisio is a pretty organized guy. So, did, did you do well with resolutions, Anisio? No, but then again, I don't make that many, or I don't make any really, but um, I, I used to make the typical resolution when I smoked for years and years, yeah. and every year I was going to quit smoking, and then finally I decided to uh, stop doing that, I mean, stop making that resolution, and you know what, I once I quit smoking, actually was not at the beginning of the, of the year, so just like Brian said, it's, there's no better time than now if it's a good resolution yeah 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 so i i uh i quit smoking earlier this year in may um i had three doctors yelling at me at the same time so i decided it was probably about time that i did it and um i was able to do it plus plus your daughter too right yes well my daughter my daughter was very good actually and and so was my brother um my my daughter essentially said, "You're going to do what you're going to do. I'm I'm not going to try to uh, to tell you. You know it's bad for you, and you know 
the harm it's doing. And you know you already have COPD. So, but, but, so one way to get Paul to do something is a little bit of reverse psychology. It, well, it, it certainly worked. So the doctors <laughs> were not reverse. They were very direct. Oh, I'm sure they were. You know, quit that uh, damn is, smoking asshole. It's got to be one of the <laughs> hardest things one, one has to do. Um, to the, I mean, I, to this day, I still miss it, honestly. Yeah. Um, oh, I still, I, I will miss it for the rest of my life. Just like yeah. how much money, how much money you're saving, though. Oh, that's ridiculous. You, you don't even notice it after a while. <laughs> that's <laughs> correct. We said, "Oh, you're going to be so have so much more money." No, no, no. You're yeah. not. What is you might money? have more money, but you got so much more anxiety. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I quit smoking in 1987, and if I didn't have COPD, I could pick it up right this minute. I would have. That's no correct. Problem. That's correct. <clears throat> and my COPD, really, uh, even though even though they say it's bad, it doesn't feel bad to me. And smoking never felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> Having inhaled it. more than my fair share of your secondhand smoke, you have, Brian. You have. <laughs> uh, 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 I I never let that be the decider. Both of my parents were two pack a day smokers. Um, I, I don't remember, in, in fact, to this day, because I could see till I was 11, whenever I imagined either of them, it was always with a cigarette in their mouth or in their hand. Wow. So now I have a, my baby brother, who is 61, 62 years old, is a two-pack-a-day smoker. Really? And boy, is it a lot more expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, than it was. And... He is stuck in a job because it's the only job he can find where he can smoke. Oh, oh, jeez. There's so much these days with all that labor struggle that he could just really improve his life in terms of financials if he could just put it down and let it go. Anishio, you were asking Brian a question. Um, I'm curious. where, Where does he work? Outside? He is a guard. That drives from building to building, checking that they're locked up. Yeah. So yep. he can do that in his own car. That's right. Yep. Smoke in his own car. Smoke as often and as much as he'd like. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it has had this effect of meaning he could go down and be a TSA guard at yep. Portland Public Airport and make twice what he's currently doing with benefits, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. He can't do it. He just can't let that cigarette go till the, even the next break. It's really uh, hard to stop smoking. Really, really hard. Uh, I, it is. I mean, I, I, I never got beyond beyond one pack a day, which is a good thing. Um, but um, uh, one of the one of the interesting things is I I had quit smoking in May, <clears throat> and in July or August, the co- the company where I have my apartment was sold to some some other company and um i was away um from jacksonville um at a time when you could actually save a little money if you if you renewed your lease a little early so i renewed my lease only to discover that there was now no smoking anywhere in the complex. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. Oh. And, and I don't know what I would have done if I still smoked. Um, 
I, I moved probably, back to Miami. I probably would have gone back to Miami. Yeah. <laughs> Not right, though. Yeah. So let's see. Um, Anisio doesn't keep resolutions. We still haven't found anybody who really makes resolutions and keeps them. This is this is frightening. Um, <laughs> it's 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 scary. It's it's it suggests that that uh, human nature is by definition weak. Oh, Brian says he keeps those. I, I I keep them only because I keep them small. You know, yes. I'm not, I didn't vow to lose 90 pounds. I just vowed to myself not to eat after 9 p.m. Yep. And it and, had and that see, effect, that's, right? That little, is, little that's a, that, it, it is so important how you phrase these things because it, it is relatively easy for you to delineate exactly what you are resolving to do and to know when you're breaking the rule, if 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 you're as specific as you were with that one, and and I guess as you were with the, with the other one you told us about earlier, you yeah, know, all of, I will get all up of at them six o'clock in the morning. Way. Yeah, right. But it, it's clearly what it is. It's also not a a you know, it's a change of habit. I guess yeah, would be the best way to put it. A change of habit that is based on the thing I am doing, not what the goal is. It wasn't that mm-hmm. I will lose 100 pounds. Mm-hmm. It was, I will not eat after 9 p.m. Uh, I will, before I drink that, oh, I crave it, bottle of Diet Pepsi. Uh-huh. Before I allow myself to drink a bottle of Diet Pepsi, I must drink a glass of water. So it makes me less thirsty for the Pepsi. That those are the kind of goals I've had successfully. There are goals and have, I've had that were and you've been able terrible. to cut down on 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 the amount of Pepsi you drink. I did for a year. Yeah. Uh, however, <sighs> the other thing is, I think you have a much better chance at doing whatever you set yourself to do if you live alone. I have to say, it is hard to keep a resolution um, in a busy, multi-person household. You might keep your resolution not to eat after nine o'clock, but with at nine thirty, everybody pulls out, uh, uh, I don't know, an ice cream cone or something. Right. That's a much harder thing to do. Much harder. And the same thing is true for you know. Uh, I found getting up an hour early was easier on me. Once right. my wife's guide dog did not decide that that would be the time to greet everybody. Because uh-huh. that may be a very unpopular person. Once she got used to this idea that I was up, but that didn't mean she had to be up. Uh, things got a lot smoother. Now, would you so would, I, would would you sneak her outside sometimes? Just to... oh, I I do. I'm the first one to send her out in the morning. Yeah, uh, and and pretty much the last one to bring her in at night because I okay. crave having a guide dog bad. Right. So our so our first rule for resolutions is make them specific and um and relatively small don't make don't make a resolution that says i shall never curse again or um, exactly yeah so so that's rule number one would anybody care to come up with principle number two for resolutions
Well, I, I think prin- too. I, I think forgive principle- yourself when you yep. lose when you when you misstep. Yeah. Don't say, "Oop, I'm off the hook until next year." Yeah. Or whatever. Once you step off and do the do what you didn't want yourself to do, forgive yourself and get right back on the wagon, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we got don't somebody. Give yourself we- an excuse not to do things for a long time. We got, somebody on the, we got somebody on the line that I know has the right answer to this. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terry. Terry. It's Terry. <laughs> um, I think it kind of goes a, l- a little bit along with what Brian was just saying. And that is, there's nothing wrong. You know, we'll do a resolution that I'm going to try to be nice to my next door neighbor or the kid down <laughs> the street that throws rocks at my dog or whatever. I don't think there's anything wrong with a resolution that's I'm going to try to do something. (laughs) We won't say what I might try to do, but (laughs) we we wouldn't want you to try to do that. You need need to be a stalwart remainer. But see, I did try to cut down and I have succeeded at that. Nice. Don't you think there are two kinds of people, those who have to do total denial and those who have the personality that allows them to reduce or increase something? Right. Well, yeah. I think I think I probably could do that. I've had I've had two cigarettes since I quit um, and was very comfortable having having the two cigarettes like like five or six weeks apart. Now, if I were sitting in a bar watching a football game. And, and, and it was a bar where one could smoke and there were lots of people who smoked and, and they were prepared to share their cigarettes. I might be in trouble. What planet is that on now? (laughs) (laughs) You know, Paul, I did, I did that so many times. Uh, I would quit and then I would be next to someone who smoked, uh, and I would bomb a cigarette from them. Yeah. And then, you know, later, you know, and and then, you know, maybe a week later, sometimes another person, I'll I'll get another one. And then I would say to myself, oh, my God, I can do this. I can just buy a pack and do this thing myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it didn't take a day before I finished that pack. (laughs) That's what happened to me, too. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do Uh it either. I had to quit or not. I couldn't be a social smoker. Like my, my, a lot of my kids said they were social smokers. And I guess I believed them because, you know, I didn't smell smoke on them when they came home and stuff, but I couldn't do that. I had to either not do it or do it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. One, one of the interesting things for me is, is how differently smoke operates for different people. Um, I mean, there are some people who may only smoke 10 cigarettes a day, but, but they, they ooze smoke. And, yeah. and I, and then there are some people who smoke a heck of a lot more than that, and they don't. That's true. I wonder why. Yeah, I, I don't have a good answer for that, for that, but it is certainly an observation. Um, so um, let's. I want to know if Terry has made a resolution. I do too. I have in the past. I did last year. I did. Yeah. I said I would try to cut back, and, and I did. went from. I did. I've cut better than in half, more like about in th- a third. Mm-hmm. 
So what were you cutting back from? What was the amount that you were smoking before? A little better than a, something better than a pack a day. And now I can do, now I do about two and a half days on a pack. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's very good. That's impressive. So one of the one of the values of resolutions is to work a resolution so that there is an upside to it. There's a mm-hmm. reward. I find that that's why cigarettes, uh, cutting back cigarettes. What's the reward for doing so? All of you have said that have quit. Said, "Oh, I miss it. I'm not doing it, but I miss yeah. it." So yeah. what's the reward that one gets? You don't this and you don't that. My mother, it was, she could go to her closet and not, and open the closet and not feel like she had just tipped over an ashtray. She started to (laughs) smell it on her clothes and Uh became offended with herself. Uh And so the plus was her wardrobe. And she started buying new clothes and taking real pride in her appearance clothing wise as a result. So her closet became her reward for not smoking. Well, there were rewards that I expected to get, and I didn't get any of them. Um, you know, I expected that, and and granted, given the fact that I've got that I've got this this or had at that point this infection, it may not have been fair for me to to expect it. But I thought, well, you know, within a relatively short time, my breathing will be cool and it'll be great. I'll be able to <clears throat> run up and down eight flights of stairs with no problem. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, not. <laughs> um, but, I, I didn't get COPD till the year after I quit. See, um, I believe that. Then I went to a pulmonologist and he said that's not that unusual. He also said no good deed goes unpunished. So <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but the other thing that I expected that I expected to, to gain was that that food would taste so much better um, and that I'd look forward to food so much more because I always thought that um, I controlled the amount that I ate because I was a smoker and I just didn't eat nearly as much as I might otherwise. Well, it, it really hasn't, hasn't changed the price of cheese. I don't feel any more hungry now um, or, or, or less hungry now than I than I did when I smoked cigarettes. So I don't remember food tasting any better than it does now. It always tasted great, you know. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Interesting. So, Anisio, did you find did you find that, uh, that 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 quitting smoking had any positive rewards for you? No, I didn't. I didn't. I <laughs> See, Terry learned from us, Terry. The thing that you all stuck with it. The yes. big reward, I think, I think Brian yeah. has, has, is, is Brian. Yeah. because the, the, the big reward for me was very long term, was living longer, living healthy, being here for my for my daughter and my wife and all that. And, yep. and, yep. and those are such long term rewards that you don't see it. You know, um, there's not a connection. Hopefully that is. I don't know. See, I knew I should drink more water. <laughs> than Pepsi. So the reward for drinking water was that get a Pepsi. That's true. For me, <laughs> there was the benefit that I gave myself for the behavior I wanted to instill in myself. Um, the other thing is that you have to invest 
in a habit, whatever it might be, like drinking water. So I went and bought yeah. one of those air or water purifier pitchers mm-hmm. and uh, those kinds of things to filter water to make it taste less offensive. Because quite honestly, I found water. Why would one drink that stuff? Just going to rust your pipe. <laughs> so I still now, feel that way about it. Yeah, I do, but less so with it filtered. Because I think yeah, I feel it's it cost me money for that damn filter thing. And I'm going to get my money's worth by God. Most of my doctors. Flavored waters. Yeah, most of my doctors think that, I'm, that, that I should be drinking at, at least 40 or 50 ounces of water a day. That's um, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and that was very, very, very hard for me. Uh, I, I, the, the only reason that I could do it is, is, I, I do well when, uh, when when I know that there's a particular thing that I have to do to um, t- to make myself better. So at the beginning of this year, um, my kidneys had essentially decided that they didn't want to function anymore, and um, and one of the things that that I was told that that could turn that around was drinking a lot more water. And I, I'm like everybody else. I, I I never have been able to drink anywhere near as much water as I should. But the way that's worked out for me in the past is I simply haven't taken in that much liquid. I didn't do Brian's Pepsi. I did coffee and I did uh, some juice, but I was never a soft drink person. No, um, Yep. I drink a lot of coffee with my water. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Rick, any anybody else on resolutions or do we go on to the next topic? I, I think we can go on, Paul. Very let, good. Me, let me just say goodbye to all of you. It was great being part of it. Oh, that's you. It's been so nice talking to you. Same here. Yeah. Nice to hear voices from my wicked past. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling everybody in ECO that I that that I pointed out when, as I was passing your house coming back from Miami on on uh, Sunday. I heard you saying that, but you, you should yeah. stop there and ring the bell. Well, I I will next time when I have your address. All right, we, because we you. really do need to get together, but we're really not that far apart because you're no. in, you know, and you're in kind of Palm Coast, which is maybe fifty miles from from Jacksonville. Yeah, it's about an hour. Yeah. We go there quite often to Costco yep. and things like that. Mm. Well, we'll have to work it out. I'll, we will exchange addresses soon and, and, and figure it out. Stick around if you want. We're going to do an initial pass of a different subject now. I'll um, try to come back. Very good. So the topic that I thought it might be interesting to talk about, as you guys know, who since you read everybody who's here read last week's and um and this week's is is climate change um i don't i don't think that i've seen anything in the blindness community um about climate change um and it 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 interests me because it's certainly something that's that's fairly widely discussed in in the larger community um, and and it's discussed with a lot of um, a, a lot of folks on both sides of the issue. Um, 
there was a fascinating statistic that came out um, about a week ago, uh, which said that in the state of Florida, the the climate change deniers have shrunk from 50% or so where they were three years ago to around 10% now. Well, that building fell down because of it climate did. change. It did. <laughs> that was kind of hard to miss. <laughs> so has anybody heard anything in the blindness community about climate change? Let's start there. Only one thing I've heard, and that has to do with um, the need for people with disabilities to be to be more prepared for weather events. Weather disasters. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Weather disaster stuff, right? Um, yeah. So guide dog users, uh, these days I hear more about guide dog users having go bags for their dogs. Yeah, I so think GDY is uh, selling like a uh, an emergency kit now that you could. It comes. It's pre-packed, and you can buy it, and you're all set to go. You just pick it up with your dog when you go to the shelter. Um, so I don't that would be the number one right now. I mean, what would you do if there was really an emergency? I, I don't know what I would do. You know, suppose the the tornado sirens are going off. What are you going to do? You're not going to be able to get a ride. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, I guess, I, I guess my view, uh, my view is that emergency preparedness is kind of another issue altogether. But, but my view is that people with disabilities are are still doing an absolutely lousy job of persuading um, governmental entities that they have some obligations to us that they're just flat out missing. Um, I think that the the pandemic um, was was a clear indication, and in some of the studies that the AFB um, surveys um, did, and some of the results of those um, clearly indicated that that folks with disabilities, and particularly folks who are blinded or visually impaired, were immensely disadvantaged by by COVID. And I'm kind of inclined to think that the same thing's going to be true of a lot of the climate change stuff that's going to happen. Um, so I, I don't know where to, I, I don't know exactly where to go before I go from this. Has anybody else heard other stuff in the, in the blindness community about climate change? Because I have, I mean, there are some particular concerns that I have that, that, that I'll share in a while, but, but, uh, I don't want to monopolize this topic. Well, I, I have to say, I really think emergency preparedness, yes. not just by the individual, but by the society. Yes. That's, that's part of it. So here, got for to example, yeah. the 911 system here in Massachusetts, uh, you can choose to be listed as a person with a disability so that oh, if really? the police or fire come to your home, they can look at, they always look up the address as part of that, and it will indicate that this house has blind people. Huh. That's a good so, idea, right? And that's it, in many states now. It, it has some real value. Um, I was in a car accident maybe a year and a half ago or so, 
And uh, my sister was more impacted by uh, on the driver's side than I was on the passenger side. So I got out and went around to talk to the police officers and, and fire uh, equipment that arrived and identified myself as a, as a blind person. And one of the firemen uh, had, you know, asked, you know, where we were headed and I gave the address and he looked it up and it showed that I was in a blindness household and that it was just about a block and a half away. And he offered his arm and sight guided me back to my house while my sister was taken off to the hospital. So I saw immediate value of this, you know. A couple years ago. You give up a bit of privacy though, don't you? Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, don't you, you feel like you have to give up a little privacy to get that extra edge of support. Well, that's going to be the case no matter what. You know, like I was using oxygen. I'm not right now, but I was for a while. And there's still a sign on my house that says there's oxygen here. And I think about ripping it down, but I haven't yet. (laughs) So um, a couple of years ago, uh, when there were terrible forest fires, not quite as bad as last year in California, but horrible and people had to evacuate. Um, One of our advocacy calls came from a gentleman who needed to evacuate, went to a hotel with his guide dog, and he was denied uh, because of the dog. So um, that's, you know, another aspect of emergency preparedness. People, he he had to advocate for the laws, and um, there weren't any police to call because it was an emergency, you know. So it's, it's something to think about. Well, I, th- I think it is, and I, but, but I think that we can generally agree that one of the things that will happen if, if folks are correct about climate change is the number of emergencies that, um, that will occur will increase, but more importantly, the severity of those emergencies will significantly increase. Well, um, yeah, according to the New York Times today, like in three to five years, the big Arctic shelf of ice is going to melt from underneath. Right. I mean, that's pretty damn frightening. It is very scary. And, and, and what's even scarier is, is that when that happens, there, there is a whole set of dominoes that begins to be knocked down. Yeah. Which, which uh, on, I guess it was this morning on morning edition, there was somebody who was talking about that, that, particular topic and ended up essentially saying that from from the arctic circle to miami would be effect affected um because um as as the water gets warmer and warmer and warmer um there are more changes that affect uh the the various um the various species that are there um, and in the Arctic, as as soon as ice melts and gets replaced by the ocean, sunlight is no longer reflected away from the Earth and instead heats the water. Yeah, that's what I heard too. Yeah. So, in a more immediate kind of scenario for us. The ecosystems we're used to are, have changed. Right. Uh, are, are changing around us. Boston is beginning to flood already. Some uh-huh. of the subway stations nearer Boston Harbor are 
um, well, just like what happened, I guess it was in New Jersey, where people were drowned in their basement apartments. Yes. Here, it has a significant impact on public transportation, which people with disabilities are more likely to be dependent on uh, than others. So that has an impact on us disproportionately, I think. Also, I think my house is probably more dependent on uh, reliable energy for our independence. When the internet goes down in my household, we're not not playing video games. We're not communicating. We're not reading. We can't read. We're not reading. We're not a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, I think disproportionately. And right now, uh, the state of Massachusetts, we've all been put on warning that we may get into a power rationing this Ooh. winter. I think one of one of the one of the questions that 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 I've been asking myself is, is the United States in a situation where, in fact, for much of the next few years, um, the impact of climate change will actually be beneficial to this country? I, I don't think so. When you think of those fires in California, the tornadoes last weekend in Kentucky, uh-huh. I, I don't think so. But, but, but on the other hand, the likelihood is that winters will be less severe in the north. Um, the likelihood is that a lot of uh, the area of Alaska that is that has in the past been not suitable for agriculture was set, will suddenly be agriculturally accessible. Um, I think that I think that it's also likely that um, some of the patterns that will change. Um, will actually probably make certain that <clears throat> some of the desert areas in the in the southwest will actually start getting rain. Hmm. Well, some of those things are true, but the question is balance in that. Yeah. Yes, the north will be probably warmer. That's all fine and wonderful, but it also means we'll be more subject to drought. And we haven't built an infrastructure uh, out there to deal with a drought situation. We simply haven't had that as part of it. When it snows up here, we don't have anywhere near the world a problem with snow that you have farther south. Because we have the equipment and the infrastructure to deal with snow removal. We will not have that infrastructure for drought. Um, Right. And, and, and people that think, think is, of the Northeast as being this giant city. There's a lot, as Terry will attest, there's a lot of forest up here. That in a drought situation, we do not have the equipment to even begin touching a major forest fire situation. One of, one, I, sorry, go ahead. Yep. And what I think is the scariest part of the whole thing is that once weather starts getting, you know, winters start getting better, if you will, uh, warmer, that kind of thing, we have as a society, with both blind sighted and everybody else, um, we have such a tendency to live in the present that I'm afraid we won't 
have the foresight to look at the infrastructure that's needed in the future. Right. And that's and, where I think a real disaster could come right. in. And that's, and that's really the point that I was making. I wasn't necessarily suggesting uh, that, that in the long run, the impact of climate change would, would, would be insignificant, but that it would seem to a lot of the people um, that, that things are better. Yeah. And so they would probably not do what everybody says we have to do, which is to change the way that we live pretty substantially. Um, interestingly enough, not as much as uh, for blind people as for sighted folks. You know, I think the impact of climate change is going to be much greater um, on on sighted folks where um, and, and it's going to have some huge impacts where, for example, to take just one um, in Europe, they, they have essentially made a pretty firm decision that by the year 2030, they will no longer be making uh, cars that that are fueled by any oil products. So the only cars that are likely to be available, let's say by 2040, are going to be electric vehicles. Um, what's, what's the impact of that going to be on the way people travel? And how are we going to make the electricity? Are we going to make electricity that fuels those cars with coal or... Uh Nuclear power, or you know, I well, mean, there's a lot of consequences. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm actually more comfortable with nuclear power than some people are. Um, I I am obviously not comfortable with coal, and 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 ideally, you know, the 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 best thing in the world that we could do is to all become independent of of power needs by setting up solar systems that Absolutely. that operate <laughs> at, at home. And, you know, that sounds so good, but when you take a look at how batteries are created, Mm -hmm. these systems don't work without batteries. And battery construction is based on rare earths. It is. That Mm -hmm. are not in this country in enough quantity to deal with today's needs. You're you're absolutely correct, Brian. Yep. So that, that being the case both a matter of the creation of that battery technology. So one of, one of the things I've done in my personal finances is invest in companies who are working on battery technology. Right. What kind of alternatives we can have for battery technologies. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's not like it's a simple answer. If it were a simple one, it'd already be done. Sure. Uh, it's complex. I also think that the changes in the ecology are more current than people want to admit. Right now, sure. here in the Boston area, our biggest habitat problem is, ready for this? Coyotes and oh, rats. Yes. Yep. And rats. And rats. Coyotes and rats. Yep. And the coyotes, um, you know, <laughs> we, it's not that we went and took their habitat so much as... Um, their food sources have changed, and they've had to change their territories to deal with that. And the same thing is true for rats in kind of the reverse way. They were going from urban areas into suburban areas 
because the restaurants were one of the major sources for food for them. Right. And the, the restaurants simply weren't open. <laughs> right. Yeah. So just think the pandemic had that effect. What yeah. would global warming have on those kinds of ecologies that, uh, especially we urban dwellers, were right. more subject to some of this stuff than than those in the countryside, actually. Not I sure moved. that that's totally the, the case. I've been, just been talking with my sister recently, who's in a more suburban area. Um, she's actually done almost on the Cape. And they. what I think is interesting about that is that, I mean, she's overrun with coyotes. Um, yeah. In Arlington... In Arlington, just a couple of months ago, a child was attacked by a coyote in the middle of a street. Um, well, along it, the beaches of the Cape, there have been attacks. Exactly, exactly. There are coyotes everywhere, but what do you have when you get to, especially in the suburbanite areas? You've got people who want to save the coyotes. You've got <laughs> people who want, you've got an organization down on the Cape right now that wants to save fisher cats. Um, and they, both of them are absolutely devastating other parts, other species. Um, you've got fisher cats killing deer down there. You've got coyotes that are killing animals every night of the week down there. And I think we we need to look at as much as it's a, a, a difficult thing to do. We do need to look at animal, some, species population reduction oh i think so um in miami and miami beach particularly miami beach um it's already been recognized that um every year uh miami beach floods more and more and they're having to make a decision a conscious decision as as a an entity as to where they draw the line in terms of how much they can rescue um, the 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 buildings there, um, and and what precisely they need to do. I mean, they've they've already installed these huge pumping systems and 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 have done a number of things to try to mitigate some of the some of the impacts, but most of the most of the books that have been written about climate change um, suggest that at some point, probably around 2060 or 2065, uh, Florida will be underwater. Well, take a look at what the Netherlands did in reclaiming low water or high water, low land right. situation. It requires by society. Oops, I think I'm gone. Yep. Yep, you're good. No, you're still here, Brian. Gotcha. It was my ear pod that died, not my phone. You actually, anyway. You actually sound better now. Yeah, it has its advantages. Um, but generally speaking, I think that um, one of the things I'm looking forward to in this infrastructure build uh, legislation is to put some serious look at more than how to keep that bridge standing or that road at a 12-lane freeway. 
but rather to look at things like dams and dikes right? and those kinds of things. If you that, could do something about mansion and cinema, maybe you could get that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh. so. I hope that that at some point it doesn't, you know, the the polarity in our legislative system and our governance governance will allow for significant change to happen significantly quickly. Quickly, that's the problem right there. Right. That's the problem. I have so far not heard from any of the folks who are on this call um, that that there is any question that climate change is real that is there there are none of us who are climate change deniers as it were um if if um if you happen to be listening and you're a climate change denier we would love to see you join us and talk to us about how it is that we are as wrong as we are reassure us tell us we're wrong <laughs> exactly <laughs> i'd love i'd love to be convinced i've always said i don't have even one opinion that i'm not willing to change for sake <laughs> of new information yeah it's it's um it's it's interesting let's spend a little more time if we could on on some of the potential impacts on the blindness community i think that the point that was made about about emergency preparedness and the and and the need to take that whole issue much more seriously is a really important point in my view uh emergency preparedness uh, has been a failure uh over covid um I, but i think there are a couple of specific things um that that we can look forward to here's one of them uh, let's see if you guys agree with this one of the things that's pretty much an absolute is that finding a way to fight climate change is going to cost a tremendous amount of money that that money's to to change infrastructure that money to uh, provide some conscious ways of lessening the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and and to do a number of other things that would mitigate climate change um, are is probably going to take uh, a pretty substantial amount of the budgets of developed countries and developing countries um, but the net result of that it seems to me is likely to be that marginal expenses such as those for folks who are blind or visually impaired or otherwise disabled are going to be more and more brought into question. Um, so I think one of the things that, that we need to do is to recognize that if we want services and other things to be available to those of us who are blind or have low vision, we'd better start we'd better start working to make sure they they continue to exist now. Well, I've guys, heard that people are yeah. going to have more disposable income once we don't all depend on fossil fuel for everything. That it's really going to, I mean, sunshine is free. Um, 
That's one of the arguments I recently read. It was like a really long piece, like in the New Yorker or something, about my the reason to be for getting rid of our dependence on fossil fuel is not just that we don't want the climate to change, but that we want to be able to have better life for everybody. So uh, I don't know how valid that argument is, but I've seen it a couple places. Um, so it could be that maybe it won't adversely affect us once we get beyond the point of having started to make a change to, uh, you oh, know, to address I, climate I, change. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't but, know, but nevertheless, I mean, you're, <clears throat> there are going to be rules that are going to require, for instance, the shutting down of fossil fuels, which is going to sideline huge numbers of vehicles, cars, and so on. Right. Um, those are going to have to be replaced with something. Um, God, God forbid people should do something sensible, like build a, a a public transportation infrastructure. Forget that mess. <laughs> yeah. That could be um, good for us. <laughs> it, oh, I think it would. I think it would. I mean, I, I there are so many things in history that I don't understand. I don't understand why why railways became unfashionable as as passenger vehicles or trolley cars. Trolley yeah. cars made so much sense. <laughs> it was great fun. Um, well, I would I would say you well, part of your argument, Paul, is that when there is this new focus on paying for the cost of these major projects and changes in our economy, correct? That that's going to put more pressure on funding things that benefit those who are blind or visually impaired and other disabilities. Correct. Yes. So I would pr- suggest to you that it likely won't go that direction. There'll be, because it's simply, it's, it's 0.00001% of the budget. So it takes a lot more effort to find 5,000 places to cut 10 million than it does one place to cut a billion. And I just think that, that the legislative bodies are going to be more inclined to cutting five big places than 5,000 little places in terms of public funding of things. Let's look at, an, at, at another scenario that's pretty commonly predicted, which is that um, a, a number of countries, literally, particularly some of the specific, Pacific Islands and and other low-lying entities are simply going to sink into the sea in 30 or 40 or 50 years, and there's not a damn thing that those countries can afford to do about it. So in the long run, there are suddenly going to be these huge numbers of people who are going to be displaced from their, their native countries and who are going to have to be relocated. How are we going to do that? Well. What portion of the world's population is currently displaced? Our latest was Afghans. Sure. What was it? Uh, 10,000 evacuated primarily to the United States in less than a week. Yeah. Kind of. but, and, and, and then but we, the, have the, we have others migrating in through right. Mexico. 
Right. We, and we, nobody ever talks about those coming in through Canada, but that's, that's the biggest land border that exists yeah. anywhere on this planet. Sure. Is that border. So people are going to move around and certainly those who are living on islands. Well, what did we see? Who, which was the island that had the great volcano experience and they had to evacuate the whole island, which was the country. Right. Uh, was that Mozambique, I want to say? Uh, no, the, Maserat. The, wasn't it Indonesia? No, this was not, not here just very recently, but maybe five or six years ago, one of the Caribbean islands, the volcano erupted. Oh, in the lava uh, Ma- Martinique. Montserrat. Yeah. Was okay. it, I think it was Montserrat. I, I want to yep. say that's what it was. That's fine. Near, yeah, anyway, so an entire nation had to be evacuated. So hopefully somebody learned from that experience. So what I but think But the is good inevitable. news is they they got to go back. But but only I, one in only one in 100. But anyway, I think I I I think there's going to be a huge shift in in world population yes um, ecological um what would you call them ecological refugees right yeah yeah absolutely absolutely well, we're not doing very well with it right now if we look at belarus and uh poland yeah. i mean that's a horrible exactly. situation exactly we're not, and, and 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 we're we certainly didn't do well with afghanistan and we haven't done well with Mexico or Central no. America or Honduras. No. So, no. Yeah. I, I'm not optimistic about it. That's for sure. Well, and, and that's, but, uh, you know, it seems to me that there are two ways that we can go. Uh, I, I would say that the, that the signposts are pointing towards the, the less appropriate way. One way we could go is, is to tackle the problem as a worldwide problem and, um, try to find some ways where all of the nations of the world cooperate to try to solve the problems. We can look but at Greta think, and be, be optimistic. I mean, there's the youth right. nothing to be getting, you know. But I think it's much more likely that, that what's going to happen is those that can won't, and those that can't will be forced to. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I think that that one of the things that we're beginning to see now is is a a huge concentration of political will in three different directions uh, among China, uh, Russia, and the United States. Um, and I think what we're what we're beginning to see is the beginning of what I think will become a much more intensive um, uh, cold ranging to pretty warm war that'll happen over the next several decades. If you read uh, Ken Follett's new book called Never, I have not read it yet. It's just exactly like the headlines that you're reading in the New York Times. Nice. It's- I'm sorry, it's a very scary book. <laughs> oh, I shall read it. Um, yep. It's not as good as his other books. It's the writing isn't as good, but it makes a point. Yep. So what about uh, what about other impacts of blind on blind folks and any thoughts? Will we 
will we see the emergence of a of a more complex and usable public transportation system do we think well um i have mixed feelings i i think i'd love to see that to be honest yes um but i would i would also say that um one of the things i'd like to see come out of all of that and quite honestly that the, the pandemic has given us an opportunity to observe and gather data on on public processing of information and, and yes. those kinds of things. This whole labor shortage that's going on right now, where a vast part of our population has decided to change jobs. Uh, I'm not like those who think that that was because they could go on extended unemployment. I know too many people who decided that life was too short for them to continue working in a job that they weren't enjoying. And they put their health at risk, too. And, and, and put their health, and, health at risk and a whole right. variety of other things along those lines. So I'm hoping that one aspect of all of this uh, and people learning that they can work from home rather than having to get in their car, drive into work, into rented space, uh, and then work there for the day and then reverse that the other direction, that we will see people choosing to work remotely as a way of life. And that means that we don't have to cluster around one another so tightly that we can get to work in less than an hour and back in less than an hour. So I would like to think we're going to see more small-town America rebirth as part of that, um, and perhaps even the redesigning of what small-town America looks like. It may also force us out of monoculture growing of food. I hope. I hope. Uh, you know, people are starting to really pay attention to where their food is coming from, uh, and wanting to be less on this system where they don't know where their next meal is going to come from, not because they couldn't afford to pay for it, but it simply isn't available because they couldn't get it shipped where you are. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. going to force a lot of social change. That can and revitalization of trains might make this. a really nice difference too. I mean, I think that's, that's one of the things in this bill that is really optimistic for people who are for everybody, but especially for people who are blind, it's a train start really serving our community. That could be a really good thing. Absolutely. I, I really worry, though, here in, in uh, my neck of the woods, the holiday season is bizarre. Yes. People who know better than to travel during a pandemic are out at Logan Airport standing on one another's shoulders to get farther forward in line to sit in a tin can and breathe air from other people. Yes. And pick that home and then bring it back again. So I, I'm also disappointed that my society can't see the greater good is to deny yourself something that you desire, but that you don't need. The Miami airport has now reached pre-pandemic numbers again. Yeah. Oh. And nobody in Florida wears a mask. <laughs> 
No. No. Yeah. So, so, uh, so when you apply that to to the need for populations to redistribute to right. a new ecological truth, uh, when you said that um, it was going to get warmer up here in the north, yes, you're absolutely right. But that will have a devastating effect on wheat growing. Yes. Huge negative effect on wheat growing. Absolutely. And this world is highly dependent on wheat and corn and rice. And, uh, you know, you can only start planting so far up north. <laughs> you run out of north to go. I think another impact, at least that we can look at, um, for uh, blind or, or low vision folks, once the electric car comes along, um, is whether whether or not, well, I think there are two issues. First, you talk about a quiet car. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about a silent car. <laughs> um, but I think the other issue is uh, I remain relatively um, relatively certain that even though they're not saying it out loud, um, that it will be a frosty, a frosty Friday before blind people will be allowed to drive autonomous vehicles oh, on our sure. own. <laughs> for sure. Well, <laughs> and I, I have to say that if you take a look at what would be best for the world, not for me, for my world, would it be that yet more single drivers could be out on the road? No. Or that they're blind or whatever? Um, and would public transportation in the best world look like what we've been talking about simply because we're thinking that way because that's how it was in the past? Maybe public transportation. My town used to have two cab companies. We currently have zero. Uber did that. Uber did that. And it actually, collectively speaking, is better than it was before. Right. Um, A lot of people are choosing not to own cars because they are not thinking, then I'm going to be, have to be stuck with a cab. They're saying, Uber's there for me. I can have a car here in 15 minutes. Why should I pay for car insurance and gas and uh, all of the things associated with that? Um, mind you, down this street today, we counted just for giggles, and there was more than 15 delivery trucks. And I'm not on the major thoroughfare. I'm on a two-lane neighborhood. Uh, So we are going to have to get used to a different way to distribute people and goods uh, that is more economical all around than what we're currently doing. And for the most part, I think that's going to be good. I'd love to be able to say Uber. And an electric vehicle shows up without an Uber driver. I get in and going from point A to point B, the infrastructure says, this guy needs to be picked up and that guy needs to be picked up. Mm-hmm. And we'll pick them up on the way and it will be more energy efficient and economical than our current system. That would be uh, wonderful. Yeah. I, 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 that I guess is there. I guess you're going to have to convince me um, that that's that that's the direction we're going to go in. 
Um, if, if we, I don't, I haven't seen any change and maybe you guys have in your areas, but I haven't seen any change that suggests that the public transportation system is for any group, but the group who is either too old or too poor to access cars. I think you're exactly, that's exactly how it continues to be here. It is certainly dominated by that. Um, I don't doubt that for a moment, but that's um, mass transit. And what I'm describing is a micro transit. It it is. That is less dependent on that. By the way, in the city of Boston, the new mayor just made two bus lines free. Really? Nice. Totally free for anybody who wants to take the time to get on that bus, both as a matter of managing traffic in those areas and because they're the poorest areas. And too many places who need um, low-skilled workers weren't able to get the workers to work in the restaurants and the um, tourist industry and and hotels and such whatnot. So Penny earlier made the point that, or, or might have been Brian, that disposable income is expected to rise over the, the next several decades. Um, I'm not sure I understand exactly why that's going to be the case, but I'm prepared to stipulate it for the moment. But I'm going to ask you guys whether you think this will apply to the 75% of blind people who aren't working. No, it won't. I don't think so. And, and so can, can we anticipate that, that the gap that will evolve between those people who have increased disposable income and those at the bottom of the economic um, system, that is folks who are black and folks who are disabled, um, will in fact be further and further down a rabbit hole and less and less capable of surviving um, in in an increasingly expensive transportation environment. Oh, I think you're, unfortunately, I think you're totally right. And, and Brian, I think do you agree? politics will become more and more polarized. I and think, there will be fewer and fewer right? people who will even be advocating for those right. people. Well, to, to me, a couple of things are true. One is that um, I've always been employed. I've been in middle right. management, made right. a good income, didn't have kids to support. So right. I do not claim to be in the skin of anything close to the average blind person. Um and I've made, as a, as a leader in ACB over the years, made a number of decisions and promoted a number of things over those years based on wanting to make sure that we weren't pricing out blind people from ACB. Sure. So my local affiliate stopped having a convention that required that you stayed in a hotel because that looked like a mighty big expense to me. Uh, ACB, 
reduce the number of nights at a convention, much for the same reasons, to keep the total cost of attending the convention down. So the typical uh, unemployed or underemployed blind person uh, could afford to come. And well, then I, I, then I don't, I don't a, think there was any evidence that that, that that in fact was the case. But anyway, ah, go ahead. <laughs> however, I was at a number of ACB events, uh, uh, bus tours of this or whatever, yep. where when I sat down with the rank and file, a number of them were uh, on fixed incomes, so SSI or SSDI. Yes. And they saved up to go to that convention. And they had the money to do things when those things meant a lot to them. For me, this was a working trip. For them, it was their vacation. Yes. Uh, So when I look at disposable income, I take a look at what some of my fixed income friends find money to spend on and what they don't find money to spend on. So I'm not sure how I see this is a very politically incorrect thing I'm saying here, Paul. We <laughs> understand. But does anybody think for a moment that people are not getting a smartphone because they can't afford one or because their priorities are different with the income they have? Well, um, I think I think you actually need to ask the question in a slightly different way, and 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 perhaps they are are they getting an iPhone? And, and I think the answer to that is no. Um, I think one of the realities that that will eventually come to light, though it is now, is there are an awful lot of people um, who are choosing to use Android phones. Um, and and relatively underfunctioning i um android phones um because a that's all they can afford um and and b that's all they're prepared to try to learn yes both of those things are true but i'm i'm saying that more disposable income going back to uh penny's sure. statement and and reading meant it's not that they're not going to have that smartphone they're just not going to have this year's smartphone. They're not going to change smartphones as often. Well, it didn't used to matter. More income. It used to be that you could have an older smartphone and it would still function. Right but now, yes. you can't do that anymore. You have to have like a uh, what is it, an XR at the very least, I think, in order to do a lot of the things that the iPhones do. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. So I expect that. This is not unique to blind people. This economic, um, you know, falling farther behind percentage-wise than the general population. Well, and the other thing but, too, Brian, is that like yeah. for somebody who can see a smartphone, that is a lug is not is a luxury. I mean, they could get an Android phone and they would be fine. But for sure. people who are blind, I mean, I live on my phone and depend on it for just about everything I do. And it's not a luxury. I think it's a necessity. So I will give up a lot of other things on my disposable income budget in order to have my smartphone. 
Yes. You know, what we're what we've been seeing recently is technology has got more and more features and the price has gone up with the more features. But at some point, the economy is going to go the other way. We saw. Well, what what's the cost for a brand new iPhone right now? I don't know. Mine is a I, ten. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's I have a ten too, but I think I I think your your point is probably right, Brian. Um, I, but but I think that um, I think there are an awful lot of folks um, who can't even think of iPhones. Instead, yeah, I they know there are. There are right. They think of they think of the 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 least expensive functional phone they can find. Um, Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And so the difference, though, here, I guess we need to think, is the difference between having a brand name pair of sneakers or a functional pair of sneakers? Um, When it comes to spending whatever resources you have for something, you, you do balance the difference between um, what you need versus what you want uh, in the scheme of things. If you and compare if that's exactly what a, a smartphone with the cost of attending convention, see now it makes a smartphone even more of a necessity for people who are blind because they can attend convention now without paying for airfare and hotels because they have the smartphone and they can attend all the meetings on Zoom. I mean, that's actually a really good thing. ah, But then what they would do is they would buy a $50 dot and listen to the convention that way. Well, then they couldn't participate. And if you want to participate, ah, you got to have a phone. There there is the rub in the scheme of things, isn't it? Again, it's... Again, I keep harkening back to the statement of more disposable income. Will we, will those folks who are disadvantaged see as much of a bump in their quote disposable income as as those that are the haves versus the have not? I don't know that. You know, it's supposedly going to be so much cheaper to heat your home and to cook and to, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that I all of those things are like true, but that's not likely to be true in public housing. Let's let's talk about uh, I'm I'm not trying to cut you <laughs> off, Brian, no, but let's talk, no 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 that's let's a, let's talk about let's let's try to put this disposable on income into some realistic place if we can i think one of the one of the issues that we're not talking about is the degree to which inflation is already having an impact one of the one of the things that that is amazing to me is people are claiming the inflation rate for this year is about 6.8 percent does that mean does that mean that suddenly the government is going to be forced to pay um, a a really substantial um, cola increase to everybody on Social Security and SSI? Yes, well, they are. The is yes, I've I've received my letter that my SSDI next year will be going up five point six percent. Yeah, wow. I saw that too. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just owe people Social Security, too, because I'm on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's across the board, 5.6% yeah. COLA. Now, that's based on last year's inflation rate. Just, this right. will be indexed again next year. And so yeah. next year could easily be 8%. I think, ladies and gentlemen, that, um, that, that that's another thing that we need to be concerned about. Once, once we once we recognize the need to spend a lot of money on infrastructure, uh, which is, I think, at the heart of what climate change is all about, we also need to recognize that if we're going to spend that money on infrastructure, um, we are we're going to have an awful lot less money um, to spend on other things. I think the money we're, that we're going to spend on defense is going to continue to rise. I think that the, yeah, yeah, right. And I, and I think that, um, and I think that any longer the difference between, um, a Republican and a democratic government in terms of what they're going to spend, uh, on both a combination of infrastructure and defense is, is not nearly as, far apart as it used to be you think i don't know yeah well that's that's my opinion um that i mean there'll there'll be different emphasis but um that's my opinion so i think there are two or three things that i want to say and then i'm going to give everybody who's, who's on the call an opportunity to say a last thing but it seems to me that one of the things that we've demonstrated over the past hour about climate change is there's a tremendous amount that we don't know. Uh, I think it is also accurate to say that one of the things that we do know is that at least as far as we're concerned, there is going to be a tremendous impact, uh, for, um, the world over the next couple of decades and that the survival of life on this planet could be up for grabs. And I think the last thing that we know is that there are going to be consequences, even if we may not be able to agree on what those are, that are going to substantially impact the lives of blind and visually impaired folks uh, across the world, the world. So, um, I think that sometime next year um, we should spend a whole two-hour program talking about beginning to think about what a climate change plan um, for the blindness community ought to look like because I don't think it's too soon. We should involve the, uh, what is that, the group called the Under 30 group, that group? We should invite next gen. Them to pers- yep. Yeah. Well, I think gen. that'd be a good idea. We should invite yep. them to participate. Yeah. Well, I think we should. I and I will. That'd be great. Yeah. And I will. Um, I'm going to throw out another topic, please, Paul. And sure. that is the, in- the impact of longevity on the blindness system. Uh good point. Let's let's do it next <laughs> let's year. Let's say we're still 
participants in that longevity aspect. <laughs> if, we're, if we're still here, we'll do it, Mr. I just, Brian. I just took a look at, at the longevity for somebody my age, and apparently I'm going to live till I'm 92 on average. Yeah. yeah. That's another friggin'. But, but here's, here's the scary thing. Here's the scary thing, though, if you're looking to the future, Brian. Um, over, over the last year, uh, the longevity of, of, sorry, of men in the United States actually fell by a year. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, also, the pandemic, it said, yes. um, when I read that, one out of every 100 people over 65 died because of the pandemic. That's a yep. big number. That's very scary. It's so, Mister Miss Terry, um, final thought? <laughs> Um, I think that we need to realize that, yes, there are significant issues. There are some significant issues for blind and disabled people as far as it's con- as far as the uh, global warming is concerned. But it's truly a global thing. And we need to be more part of the global community than we do the blindness community as a separate entity. I think global, one of the yeah. things that would, I think one of the things that we should be doing, we talked about lo- looking ahead. At things, one of the things that we should be doing in working now toward the future is a heck of a lot more advocacy on people increasing their income and their spendable income as blind and visually impaired people. We should be doing much more advocacy on employment. That's where I think we've we're falling very short because then people would have more spendable income. Um, I think right now people can. I think when it gets into the whole issue of iPhones and as opposed to going to convention and that. Um, I, I think we, we're missing a boat there uh, in this conversation because you can get an iPhone for a few hundred dollars now, which you cannot go to convention for a few hundred dollars. <laughs> um, you know, a, a, an iPhone SE is not, you don't need, I just went out and spent $1,100 on a 13 Pro Max. Most people nice. do not need that. Um, nice. But an SE, my son and my husband, are both using those for a few hundred dollars a piece. And, and in a lot of ways, an SE is better because it's got a home button. I think we need to, if, to look very closely at, at very strongly working to improve our situation now so we are prepared for the future. Mm-hmm. Good yep. you. Thank you. Miss Penny, last thought. Oh, I think what Terry said is, uh, that's what I was thinking too. I mean, it's fine for us to talk about ourselves as a blindness community, but we're, we're really a part of the bigger community. And so it's blind people need to be involved with the, 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 uh, the Greta and, uh, and the others that the, the younger community and everybody else. We, we can't separate ourselves as much as we often do. We're, we're part of the whole picture and that's how we need to respond to climate change. So. Thank you. Brian, final thought, 30 seconds. Yeah, from a blindness perspective, I think we all, it doesn't matter what the issue is, there's going to be a blindness angle to it, I think. And we are the only ones who have that as our priority A or B. Um, so we can't say really globally that we should think first of the planet as a whole and put our emphasis there. There's only so many hours in the day. So I'm responsible. <laughs> I am responsible for the blind side of things. That doesn't mean that 
a significant part of my money and and everything. I just had uh, 20 trees cut down along the back property line here. Oh. And I made a commitment when my community agreed with me those had to come down that I will be donating whatever is necessary to plant 40 trees elsewhere. So okay. I take I take it personal to do that. It's my personal responsibility. But as a leader in the blindness community, it's also my personal responsibility to make sure that this um, low incident population doesn't get buried in the big problems. Larry and Rick, thank you so much for your participation. And also thanks to the, the rest of you guys who made this such an interesting program. Next week, we're going to talk about what ACB is going to do with the end of the year in terms of uh, ACB media. Good night.